Well, good morning, everybody. We are in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. If you turn there, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. The ushers will get you one. Just keep your hand up. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to actually finish the chapter today. I know we've been in this chapter for four weeks now, but it's so good. And we're going to be looking at verses 17 to 21. Philippians chapter 3. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Okay. Verse 17. Brethren, join in the following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to His glorious body, according to the work by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. Father, we come to you humbly. We want to make sure we're right with you. We want to trust you. We want to know that we're a child of the true and living God. And Lord, we ask today by the power of the Holy Spirit that you minister to our hearts, bring wisdom from above, clarify your truth. Lord, help us to be in a right position with you, that when this day comes, that you come for your church, that we will go up with you. And so, Lord, we ask that you bless this time. Give us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit says. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. I entitled the message, Are You His? Are You His? Because it's sad to say, and this is the truth, that there's a lot of people that really aren't his that go to church. There's a lot of people Paul is addressing, listening to false teachers with false doctrines, doctrines of demons, doctrines of devils. They're believing a lie. There are those who say they're Christians, but they're living so deep in the world that they're just playing games with their own own eternity. And just like what we just saw, I truly believe that when Jesus comes for his church, that what you just saw is going to happen in churches worldwide. People will disappear and people will stay behind. And the grace of God will give those people that stayed behind an opportunity to get saved. They'll die a brutal death during the time of the tribulation, but they will have opportunity. And that's God's grace. That even in the tribulation, as he's, he's judging the world for seven years, all through that period, he's showing grace because he turns up the heat with every seven judgments. The seven vials, the, se- the seven bowls of wrath, the, 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 the seven seals, the seven uh, trumpet judgments. He keeps turning up the heat so people will go, I tap out. You win. Save me. And maybe you're here today. We live in a world that we consider it's Laodicea, guys. It's lukewarm. God says you're not hot or cold. I'm gonna, I feel like just puking you out. 
And that's sad to say because the church at large today is, says they're rich and in need of nothing. And Jesus would say, you're poor, naked, and blind. You have no idea where you're at. Repent. I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. There's too many Christians today that, you know, they think because they go to a big giant church and they got all this going on, they're following guys who are not solid. They're false teachers. They're teaching heresy. They're teaching false doctrines. They don't want to talk about sin because that lowers the numbers. If you talk about sin, people won't come. You have to talk about sin. If you don't talk about sin, you're fattening up your church for the slaughter. You need to understand, unless you ask for forgiveness of your sins, you ain't going to heaven. Jesus died for your sins. There's no sin you can't forgive except you rejecting Him as Lord and Savior. That's it. But you got to get your life right each and every day. Now, we're, we're failures. We make mistakes. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I screw up every week. But the difference between a believer and a non-believer is a believer loves his sin. No. I, I just want to see how you guys would respond to that. A believer hates his sin. You sin, you screw up. You might do horrific stuff, but you screwed up, but you hate it. So you bring it to the Lord and you repent. It's the unbeliever that loves his sin. It's the unbeliever that, that says, listen, hey, don't judge me. I'm a Christian. Are you? Because your life doesn't have any fruit. If you're finding yourself playing in the world more than you're having a relationship with God, you better ask yourself, are you His? That's the title of this message. Are you His? And he's going to warn us against false teachers that are just like, they're, they're so off. I mean, he's been talking about legalists, right? He dealt with legalists. What are legalists? Those are people that says that you're saved by faith and. you got to do this. Saved by faith and circumcision. Saved by faith and keeping the law. Saved by faith and doing the feast. Saved by faith and dressing a certain way. Saved by faith and eating certain things. If anybody says you're saved by faith and, Run. You're in the wrong church. You're saved by faith. Nothing. Jesus did it all on the cross for you. You can't bring anything to the table except your sorry self. And in His grace and in His mercy and in His love, He forgave me and washed me and set me on my feet and says, now go live for me. If you don't have any desire to live for God, I would have to ask you, are you His? Are you His? He also was dealing with the libertines. The libertines were these kind of people that were teaching that, you know, God is just love and God is just grace. And He is. He is all of that. But the libertines would say, listen, you know, you, know, you can't be accountable for your flesh because your flesh, you know, desires sex and it desires the party and it desires all these things. And so, you know what? You can't control the flesh. Let the flesh have its way and God in His grace will forgive you. You're a Christian. You'll be saved. That's heresy. Well, wait, Steve, you just said you weren't saved by your works. I know, and I believe that. But you know what? If you're living an immoral life and loving it, I don't think you're of God. I don't think you're His. You can't live in a sinful lifestyle and tell me you're a Christian. Now, you know, oh, don't judge me. I get that. I hear it. I get the emails all the time. Don't judge me. I'm not judging you. I'm a fruit inspector and I'm not seeing any fruit. Okay? God will judge you. I, I understand there's people that fall into lifestyles of immorality and they love Jesus and they hate what they're doing and, and they come back to Jesus. That's awesome. God will forgive you. It's all good stuff. But there are other people that just say, listen, I'm going to live like hell, but you better take me to heaven. And I'll tell you right now, you're fooling yourself. You will be one of those left behind like what we just saw. You'll still have a chance. But I would hope that you pull it together before that happens. You can't just live your life the way you want in a sinful way and say that you're a Christian. See, because a true transformed life has a desire for God has a desire to do right, has a desire to be truthful, has a desire to read the Bible, to pray, to come to church, to, to love others, to, to have that joy and the peace of God. A true believer is a servant. A true believer is forgiving. 
A true believer doesn't hold grudges. A true believer lets go of the past and reaches forward toward the mark, the prize of the high upward calling in Christ Jesus. Does that describe you today? Paul says, follow my example there. Brethren, join us in following my example and note or mark those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Paul said this stuff a lot. He would say, follow me as I follow Jesus. Paul was a great example. Do you have examples in your life of people that you could say, listen, you know, they really love God and I want to do what they do. Paul wasn't saying, follow me like, hey, I'm, I've just arrived. I'm all this. Paul is saying, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm following Christ. I'm doing what God has told me to do so you can look to me as an example. So what happens if Paul sways from the truth? Well, we're still going to follow Christ. I put my trust in Christ. I don't put my trust in men. But I have men and even women that are encouraging in my life because of their walk with God, their joy with God, their wanting to serve, their love, their grace, their forgiveness, the mercy they showed towards people. They're just a bundle of joy to be around, and I want to be around them. When I see somebody filled with the Holy Spirit and overflowing with the Holy Spirit, man, I want to get some of that on me. I want to share the love of God. So the question for you today is this. Do you have somebody that you can follow as a role model? Do you have someone that's pouring into you? Do you have someone that's discipling you? Do you have someone that's helping you with your walk with Jesus Christ? Are you an example that people can follow? And the other question I want to ask you is, is my relationship with Jesus Christ, is it real or is it phony? Tough questions. Because here's the bottom line. You'll become like who you hang out with. You, you younger kids, teenagers, you know, that's why your parents are so worried about who you're hanging out with. Because they know. It's Kauai. We know everyone. We know stuff about people we don't want to know. Right? Amen. Everybody was just flashing and rewinding that in their head like, yeah, oh, yeah, that, ooh, yeah. We do it for your own good, kids, because we know you'll become like who you hang out with. If you're hanging out with the wrong crowd and they're cursing and they're doing immoral things, it won't be long before you're cursing and doing immoral things. It's the old saying, you can't hang out in the barbershop too long before you get a haircut. It happens. You will become like who you're hanging out with. But if you're hanging out with Jesus, guess what? You're going to become Christ-like. Hello. If you're pouring your extra time into the Bible and, and, and making, actually don't even make it extra time. Make it a priority is, is what I should say. But on your extra time, instead of turning on the TV, grab the Bible again. Read your Bible. Worship in prayer. Seek truth. Serve God. Be a blessing to others. Be other-centered, not self-centered. These are all qualities of a true believer. Do what's right. Get into the Word of God. Get to know God deeper. Everything in here answers all your questions. There's nothing new under the sun. And right now, he's, he's addressing false teachers and people that are listening to false teachers and getting so far. You've seen them. They were on track. They were on fire. Next thing you know, they're gone. Because why? Because somebody told me something, and, and boy, I didn't know that that was in the Bible, and it wasn't. <laughs> but, but you didn't read your Bible, so you took their word for it, and now you're a goner. Am I yelling at you guys? I'm sorry. I'm just excited about this. How should we look? Full of love. The fruit of the Spirit is, that was a little weak. The fruit of the Spirit is, okay, some of you are like, do I have to love? <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. We should be joyful. Joy is something that is not conditional. Happiness is conditional. I'm happy as long as I get what I want. Joy is not getting what you want, but seeing that God's going to keep His promises. 
I know whom I believe in. He's able to keep that which I've committed to him until that day. Uh, a true believer has peace in their heart, a peace that passes understanding. I don't know what's going on. This world's pretty crazy. It's pretty nutty, but I know I'm yours. A true believer has grace. Hello. Uh-oh. That's a challenge. Grace? You mean I have to have grace for others? Isn't it funny how we want grace for us? You know, when we're like, Lord, so-and-so did this to me. Get him, Lord. But be patient with me. I'm working on some stuff. Right? We need to have grace. We need to show mercy. And, and here's a big one right here. This is the one that's going to really kill us all. We need to have forgiveness. Too many Christians out there, and it's sad to say, more than I'd like to think, do not forgive other people. And somehow you think that they need the blood of Jesus more than you did. And you want God to forgive you of all your horrific past, but you cannot forgive? Remember what the Bible said? Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, my Father in heaven won't forgive you. What is he saying there? Can I lose my salvation? No, he's not saying that. He says if you're a believer and you're unwilling to forgive other people, basically what you're doing is you're, you're, putting, you're breaking up that communication with the Father. You're, you're throwing out prayers, but he's like, I can't, what? Can't hear you. What? Have you, fi- have you fixed that problem in your life? Have, have, have you forgiven? Hello? All I can hear is so-and-so needs to be forgiven. Hello? And if you're unwilling to do that, guess what? You're breaking off communication. What's that mean? You're going to heaven, but your, your walk with God is put on a shelf. How can he use somebody that's full of hatred, bitterness, unforgiveness? How can he use somebody that's living an immoral life? How can, how can that be an example? That's why I always worry about these churches like you know, a famous actress or a famous basketball star. Somebody gets saved and immediately they put them in front of the pulpit. Oh my gosh. Two-week-old Christian, you know, boom, bang, and then they're back in the world, and everybody's going, whoa, we just let that guy at our church. Don't be quick to a point. And he's, gives us, he's going to give us a strong warning today about teaching that, you know what, I'll tell you what, me standing here, God holds me in more accountability than he does you. That's why when I get up here, I know I upset people and I've never been accused of sugarcoating my messages and I do get hate mail sometimes from people watching online and stuff, but the bottom line is they're not mad at me, they're mad at the Word of God because i got to teach truth, i got to talk about sin, i got to say that's wrong in a world that has absorbed the sin of the world into their church to make everybody feel comfortable. We don't talk about sin, we don't talk about sexual immorality because that drops in the numbers. We don't talk about the blood of Jesus because that's just gross. Really? It's the only thing that saves you. you got to talk about the blood. Without the blood, we got no hope. Without you acknowledging that you're a sinner and need a Savior, you ain't going anywhere. Well, you are, but it ain't the right spot. <laughs> smoking or non-smoking? We should be Christ-like. That's what Christian means, little Christ. We're to be an example that when people look in your eyes, they don't see you, they see Jesus. They see love. They see joy and peace and grace and mercy. They see someone that forgives. Well, listen, listen, we're the family of God. We're going to rub each other wrong. Hello. That's why we got two services, because the people you're mad at go to the other service. <laughs> but God wants you to work that stuff out. We're supposed to work through our difficulties. Why? Because we're all going to heaven. We're, all, we're living with each other for eternity. Let's get along, okay? You know, people ask me all so many times, they go, am I going to know my friends in heaven? And you know what I say? I don't know. You know why? Because I have to say, are your friends believers? If they're believers, you'll know them in heaven. But if they're not believers, you won't know them. I've had people say, listen, you know, my husband, he's, he's not a believer. Will I know him in heaven? And I go, nope. Will I miss him? Nope. Oh, easy. No praise the Lord's over here, okay? But, uh, um, <laughs> but 
But what am I trying to say? Here's the deal. There's no more tears in heaven. Heaven wouldn't be heaven if you're up there crying over everybody you knew and loved that didn't make it because they didn't want to choose Jesus. Jesus will wipe your, your memory of that, I believe. That's my opinion. Because there's no more tears in heaven. But if your child, your, your spouse, your, your friend is a born-again believer, then guaranteed you're going to know him. Listen, when someone says, are, are we going to know each other in heaven? I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't think we're going to be dumber than we are here. We get a new body. We get, we, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> and so the important thing is for us to work out all our problems with each other. Come on, guys. See, because when you and I as Christians work out our problems, it's a message to the outside world that we're different. When the outside world looks in and sees two Christians fighting and separating and division in the church, they just go, they're no different than the world. Why do I want to go there? I can be the same way these churches are acting outside. And that's the problem with the church today. The church is trying to be politically correct. They're, like they, they're trying to look like the world to attract the world, not to give them the truth. And then the outside unbelievers are looking at them going, listen, these guys are just like us out of church. Why do I need to go to church? But if they see you and they say, you know what, you're just like me because I see you mess up all the time. You know what you say to them as a real believer? You say, you know what, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Pray for me. I'm a work in progress. And I'm not happy with my sin and I hope that in the future you don't see me like you see me now. God can work with that. God can work with that. In verse 18, he says, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, who will end up in hell. Their end is destruction. Whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Strong warnings against false teachers. And one of the things you notice about false teachers so many times is that their God is their belly, their appetites. How many major leaders in the so-called church today are all about money and power? I'll tell you what, man, you turn on TBN, and there's some good stuff on there, don't get me wrong, but i got to sound out for some folks. Because when you turn on a, a, a religious program, a, or what they call religious, what they call Christian, and, and all you hear is five minutes of the Bible and 25 minutes about your wallet. Time to turn the channel. Hello? You ever turn on TBN and Jan and Paul are giving away money? Man, you lay your hands on that TV. That's a Holy Spirit moment. What he's warning the Philippians about here is that teachers are an influence. That's why we need to get involved with our schools. What are they teaching your kids? Because the teachers at your kid's school are influencing them. Critical race theory, transgender, all kinds of garbage. All types of lies. Damaging stuff. And, but teachers influence. So if you guys don't step in, and, and talk with your kids what's going on and set them straight what is real truth, they grow up believing these lies. And here's the problem in the church today is that too many people are coming to church and they're saying, well, pastor said it must be true. And that's the problem. Acts 17.11, the Bereans, they listened to Paul speak every single day and then they went home at night and they searched the Scriptures to see if what he was saying was true. I always tell you guys, don't take my word for nothing. You go home and you search your Bible and you make sure what I said is true. But the problem is the church at large, not you guys. I know you guys are different. You guys read your Bible. The church at large does not read their Bible. They might not even open up a Bible unless they come to church on Sunday or every other Sunday or one Sunday a month or twice a year. It's the only time they open their Bible. So when somebody comes around with false teaching, they just buy into it. They go, because, wow, this guy's famous. He's got a big church. It must be true. And they buy into it, and they're just sheep to the slaughter. Because there's churches out there teaching heresy. 
And there's red flags. And when you know your Bible and a red flag is brought up because of something some teacher says, you know, it's time to run. Get out of that church. If someone says you're saved by faith and run, get out of that church. Heresy, false doctrine. Oh, but you know, we got to be kind. Get out. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to do yourself a disservice. Get out of that church. We've got churches that say now that homosexuality is okay. It's sin. God loves the homosexual. He hates the sin. Guys, you got, you're in a church where they say it's okay? Run. You're in a church. There's churches out there today that said for heterosexuals that you can sleep with your girlfriend as long as you're in love. Heresy, false doctrine, run, get out of that church. Hello, are you guys hearing me? You guys have got really quiet on me. There's churches out there that teach annihilation, that unbelievers, they don't go to hell for all eternity, that they're just, you know, they, they just cease to exist. They die and they're annihilated. Heresy, false doctrine, run. Because, you know, here's the problem, because unbelievers think that, you know, oh, you guys in your whole heaven thing, you know, who wants to live for eternity on a cloud with a, like a little baby with wings playing a harp? That's what they think of heaven. Because they don't know their Bible. And they go, that's boring. I'd rather just die and cease to exist. So they buy into the annihilation. It's heresy. It's false doctrine. Get out of a church like that. Hell is a real place. You're going one place or another. And Jesus didn't send you to hell. You sent yourself. He, opened, he gave you a gift and you didn't open the box. He said, here's salvation. Take it. Live forever. And you're like, nah, I'm going to do it my way. How'd that work out for you? Frank Sinatra sang that song, I'll do it. I did it my way. I did it. And he, did it. he sang that all the way to his deathbed. Well, I wonder how he feels now. You did it your way, and your way wasn't the way. There's only one way, the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through the Son, Jesus Christ. There's a lot of heresies being te- taught out there today. And th- there's even the heresy that, you know, the Lord can't come yet. Oh, really? Paul didn't know anything about it. The apostles didn't know anything about it. The apostles and Paul were looking for Jesus to come back immediately. And not only that, Paul said earlier in this chapter, he said that I might attain the resurrection from the dead. He, he wasn't doubting that he wasn't going to be resurrected. What he was saying there, if you study the Greek carefully, what he was saying was that I know I'm going to die and it's either going to be a physical death or when Jesus comes for the church. I'm hoping I want to be part of the rapture. That's what he's saying. Don't, isn't that what... what we don't, we're not afraid of death. We're just afraid of how to die, right? right? You don't want to be eaten by a shark, mauled by a bear, or anything like that. You don't want to be you know, shot up 30 times or tortured. You, you know, quick death, that'd be awesome. But even better, we'd like to just disappear and go up, right? Just like what we just saw in the video. And Paul's like, you know what? I want to be part of that rapture. Paul believed in the imminent return of Jesus Christ, that he could come at any moment. So if you're in a church that says, my, my Lord delayeth, Jesus warned us against that. The the servant says, my Lord delayeth, because if you don't think Jesus is coming soon, you'll keep drinking and beating your servants and doing drugs and living in sexual immorality. And Jesus says, you deceive yourself because I will come back when you're not expecting it, cut you in two and appoint you with those in hell. I'm just giving you a Bible. Don't get mad at me. In James 3.1, it says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. God's going to hold me more accountable than he does you because I'm up here teaching the Word of God, and I want to make sure when I come up here, I ain't alone. <laughs> you, you have no idea. This is a fearful place to be. Anybody that's ever taught knows what I'm talking about. You know, I used to come up here and I used to be excited to share the word and I'm still excited to share the word. But I'll tell you what, I'm crying out for Jesus. Please show up. Don't let me go up there by myself. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I want you to speak. Give the people ears to hear. Give them wisdom. But see, we're giving a mixed message to the world. If we say we're Christians, but we look just like the world, it's nutty. Let me give you an example. I'm a Christian. I'm involved in human trafficking, but I'm a Christian. 
Uh, that, that didn't work for you? Okay. Um, I rob banks, but I'm a Christian. Now, you hear that kind of stuff, and, and you're like, okay, that's just stupid, Steve. Okay, let me take it one step farther. How about this one? I'm a Christian. I sleep with my girlfriend. I don't care what you think. I'm a Christian. How about this one? I'm a Christian. I hold grudges and unforgiveness. And I talk about people. But I'm a Christian. You say, oh, Steve, well, those are different levels. I mean, human trafficking, bank robbers, you know, fornication, uh, you know, gossip, bitterness, unforgiveness. Aren't those kind of... Does God see sin on levels? Nope. So you're like thinking you're okay because you're not involved in murder or human trafficking or robbing banks. You just gossip about people and hold grudges. God says it's sin all the way across the board. And if you're comfortable in your gossip and your unforgiveness, you're in sin. That should bother you. You, you want to get that thing right. So my question to you today is, are you His? Or have you been playing games with Jesus? If you think that showing up on Sunday once a week is going to fix that, and I'm not trying to be, I love you guys. You know, because here's what's happening. You know, I go like this the whole time. I try not to lock eyes with anybody, but I get people to say, why were you looking at me when you said that? I'm not looking at you. I, I love you. I want the best for you. I don't know what's going on in your life, but now I do, and I wish I didn't. Right? But are you his? Is Jesus number one in your life? Or is the world a notch higher than Jesus? You better turn that thing around. You gotta get your life in order, because he's coming soon, guys. This world's history. He's coming soon. I I, I really think he's gonna come like really soon. <laughs> Look at the world today. It's nuts. So are you His? Why do I ask you that? Because Luke 12.40 says, Therefore, Jesus saying, Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour that you do not expect. If Jesus came today, where would He find you? So many people come to church and then they go right back to the world. So many people come to church for a while on fire and everything and then God answers their prayers and then they go right back to the pig slop. And we don't see them for months and then they show up again and then they show up and you know it's like we welcome and we love you. We know that hey, that could be us. We wrap our arms around them and then they're on fire for Jesus until the whole situation gets healed again and then they're gone. God doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want you. He, God wants to, he wants to feel your love. He wants to know you love him. When God looks down at you and you tell him you're a Christian and he says, listen, you don't read your Bible. You don't serve me. I, I don't even hear from you unless there's a problem. You got to ask yourself, are you his? First John 2.18 says, little children, it has... It is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now more Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. What is he saying there? saying there's a lot of people that were among us, but they're not with us. They acted like they were Christians, but they really weren't Christians, and now they're not with us. That's why my heart breaks when I see people showing up to church twice a year, Easter and Christmas. That's why my heart breaks when I know that somebody's going through something, and that's the only reason they're here. It's like you're hurting God. You're breaking His heart. And Paul says, you know what? You thought they were Christians. They were among you, but they really weren't of us. And something's pulled them back in the world. Or, or some teacher, they heard something on the internet, and it had to be true. 
And now their whole vision of Jesus is sideswiped. Because some person said that Jesus is the brother of Lucifer. That Jesus is Michael the archangel. That there are many ways, not just one way. Those are all lies. There are not many ways. Jesus is not an archangel. He made Michael the archangel. Jesus is not the brother of Lucifer. That's false doctrine. Get rid of it. They didn't get that from reading the Bible. They got that from reading a book that their religious group wrote about the Bible. Damnable heresy. Doctrines of demons. Paul warned back in those days. He warned against the legalists. He warned against the libertines. There's strong warnings. There's a lot of false teaching out there. And you better know the Bible. If you don't know the Bible, you will get sucked into false teaching and you will pay a price. David spoke of those that used to go up to the mountain of the Lord, but they come no more. Does anybody pop into your mind in your life? Somebody that used to be on fire for Jesus, but they go no more because something happened. They got hurt really bad. They got hurt by another Christian. I'm really sorry about that. But you've got to move on. God loves you. 1 Timothy 4.1 says this, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. These were people that were in the church. They departed the faith. What's that mean? They lost their salvation? No, it, doesn't. it means they were never saved. Did you know that? People could come here and they look saved and they're, ooh, the music, and they're all like, yeah, 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 and boy, that was a great Bible study and the fellowship is awesome. And then they're gone off on some, you know, like, oh, you know what? It's just all about love and every way goes to Jesus and all roads lead to Him. And, and you're like, what happened to you? Doctrines of demons, deceiving spirits. There are churches that don't want to talk about sin. There's churches that talk about annihilation, all these things that we know that are false and people are buying into them. Matthew 24, 48 says, but, and I, and I want to read this to you because of all those people that say the Lord delays. It says, if that evil servant says in, the heart, in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with the drunkards, the master, the servant, will come on a day that he's not looking for him at the hour that he's not aware of. He'll cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. That's hell. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In 1 Timothy 6.3, and this is important for us because there's a movement out there called faith prosperity teaching. It's heresy. It's false doctrine, doctrines of demons. Run, get out of there. If you're in a church that teaches that you, if you have enough faith, you will be healthy and wealthy, run. That is false doctrine that isn't in the Bible. Look at 1 Timothy 6.3. Paul says to Timothy, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing, but obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reveling, evil, suspicious, suspicions, useless wranglings of men with corrupt minds and destitute of truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such withdraw yourself. God never promised you you would be healthy and wealthy. He promised we were going to have tribulation. You may be wealthy, that's awesome. Use it for the glory of God. You may not be wealthy, that's awesome. Use it for the glory of God because you're going to reach poor better than somebody wealthy. If you're healthy, that's awesome. Praise the Lord. But if you're sick, praise the Lord. He's going to take you home a little sooner. I don't know. I, that probably didn't sound good. But you know what I'm saying? Listen, there's men in the Bible that died of sickness. Where was their faith? That's why it's false teaching. And, and, you know, I think God allows us to get sick so we'll long for heaven, right? Amen? I mean, you might be here today and you might be diagnosed with cancer, and I'm sorry, and I, I, I would pray for you and love on you, um, but there's two things. Maybe God wants you home sooner, and maybe God wants you to be a witness to the doctors and the nurses that you're going to meet over the next few months. 
But in the midst of whether I'm healthy or wealthy or poor and sick, can I say, blessed be the name of the Lord? That's the key. In 2 Peter 2.1, He says, but there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there were false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach you destructive heresies, even deny the master who bought them in this way that they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. These false teachers are going to bring sudden destruction on themselves. They're going to wind up in hell. They're teaching heresy. And check this out. Many will follow their evil teaching. Many. Many will follow their evil teaching and their shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get a hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. God already knew that they weren't of His. If you're in a church, and I'm saying this for the people that listen online or the radio, if you're in church and they're always asking you and begging you for money, get out of there. We have never begged you guys for money. We've made needs known to you. But that's between you and God. So how do we protect ourselves against these kind of teachings? You must know your Bible. That's why I say just keep reading. Yeah, but pastor, I don't understand Isaiah. I get it. I don't understand a lot of Isaiah. (laughs) Jeremiah, Ezekiel, why are you starting out with those books? Romans, John, Romans, John, Romans, John. You're a new believer. Don't go to Leviticus. (laughs) You must know your Bible. Don't take anyone's word for anything. A lot of these false teachers are leading people astray because they're building their own kingdom. They're all about money. When I hear of pastors getting paid by their church 10, 20, and 30 million dollars a year, that's sickening. That's greed. That's pride. I get emails from guys that want to come speak at this church. And you know what they say? I, I immediately go, uh, what do you want? What do you, oh, I say, what do you need, brother? Well, we need you to cover all our expenses, the hotel, the travel, the car, and, and usually I get between three to $5,000 for a speaking on a Sunday. Oh, I'm sorry, you've got the wrong email. I would rather have one of your kids get up here and read a chapter of the Bible and close in prayer than to pay somebody that kind of money to teach. I've had the blessing of teaching around the world. I have never once asked anybody for a dime. I've had people say, listen, we've got a house for you to stay in. We'll take care of you right here. That's fine. That's different. But I have never asked anyone for a dime. And I learned that from my pastor, Pastor Chuck, who set the standard for Calvary Chapel. He would travel on his own dime. I love that. We've had great speakers come through here. They asked nothing. Amir asked nothing. Jack Hibbs asked nothing. John Randall asked nothing. He was just here. A real transformed life loves God's truth. Does that describe you today? A real transformed life loves the Word of God. Does that describe you today? A real transformed life loves going to church and serving others. Does that describe you? A real transformed life has grace and mercy. Gosh, we're running out of time, aren't we? boys were making fun of me last week that I'm never on time and they're tr- it's true it's true <laughs> um oh well I'm already in trouble let's go for it um turn to Romans 6 because you're probably saying to yourself <laughs> you're probably saying to yourself well what 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 do I how do I how do I look at myself? I mean, how do I look at what I was and how I should be? What book in the Bible, what chapter can show me what God wants me to be from what I used to be? And I think Romans 6 has the answer. Romans 6 says this, say amen if you're there. Paul says to the to the Romans, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. So you're born again, you're saved. And you're saved by grace. So should we go out and just sin because we're saved by grace and not our works? Certainly not. So he says, turn away from that. Why? Because Jesus did everything for you. 
He says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of you were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? So when you get saved, we're to repent and be baptized. You get saved first, and then you get water baptized. Water baptism doesn't save you, but we're just being obedient to what God says. It's an outward declaration to the world. We're going forward for Jesus, right? So, he says that as many of you were baptized into Christ Jesus, you were baptized into his death. It was a symbol. When you go under the water, you're dying to yourself and you're coming up in the newness of God. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead and the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in his likeness of his death, certainly we also should be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For, who has, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we've died with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For death that he died, he died to sin once and for all, but that the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you, you, you've died. That Going under the water is a picture of dying with Jesus on the cross. He died for your sins. That you're putting the old man to death and you're being raised up in a newness of life. You don't want to go back to that old man. We don't rehab the old man. The old man is supposed to be put to death. And to be raised in the newness of Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. You should obey that you would obey the lust thereof. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but to present yourself to God as being alive from dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. God forbid. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves, and we're all slaves to someone, you will obey. You that you are the, that one slave who you obey. And whether it's sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness, but God be thanked that, through, that though you were slaves of sin, you have obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness so now present your members as slaves to righteousness for holiness for when you were slaves of sin you were free in the regard of righteousness the fruit did you have then in the what fruit did you have then in those things which were you are now ashamed of for the end of those things is death but now having been set free from sin having become slaves of God and having your fruit to holiness the end is everlasting life for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I would love to talk for another hour on that, but I am already over right now. Let's look at the last verse that we see. The last two verses. Look at verse 20 of Philippians chapter 3. Why are we different? Look at verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven. Are you a child of God today? Do you know where you're going? Are you sure? Have you been playing church? You've been goofing around? You've been listening to false teachers? Or are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Or are you just taking someone's word for something? Or are you searching the Scriptures to make sure what they're saying is true? I, I plead with you. Search the Scriptures. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform your lowly body that it may be conformed to His glory, glorious body according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. What a glorious statement. What a glorious statement. What is He talking about there? He's talking about one day 
the rapture. He's talking about Paul was so excited he wanted to be part of the rapture. He's talking about that God is going to transform our body into his glorious body. We're going to be Christ like we are going to be just like him because we are going to see him as he is. We won't be God, but our body will be like His. When you look at the resurrection Sunday evening, that body that went right through walls and ate food, and then when He ate food and went out that wall, the food didn't drop on the floor, it went with them. We're going to have that glorious body. We're not going to have any more pain, no more suffering, no more aches. Because why? Because if you are a believer, you will never die spiritually. You may die physically. But you know what? You'll go like this. You'll go, last breath. Open your eyes, Jesus. It's not a bad deal. Or, like Paul, you're excited and want to be part of the rapture. The caught up, the harpazo in the Greek, rapturos in the Latin. Let me close with this. Philippians 4, 13. But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow. Now he's talking about those that have died, those that have fallen dead. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have already died in Jesus. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have already died and gone to Him. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead of Christ will rise first. Then we that are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. Are you His? Let's pray. Father, thank You. I pray, Lord, that You've um, brought some clarity into our hearts today. Lord, I pray for strength. Um, Lord, we're about to take part in communion. And uh, I would just pray that You would help us to get our hearts right with You, Lord. I know you're working on me. I don't, I don't know about these people. Maybe they don't need it. But I know I do. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would uh, help us before we take communion and partake in the remembrance of what you did for us, Lord God, that you would allow us an opportunity to get ourselves square with you. And so, like, if you're here today, before you come forward, I just pray that you would uh, just talk to the Lord. Ask for strength. Ask for forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.